What's up and welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. Joining us today is the amazing, the man, the myth, the legend of himself, Mr. Jules Erbach. Hey everyone, such a pleasure to be here as always. Yeah. We got a great show for you today. We're going to nerd out a lot. Make sure you follow us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all the things for show clips and other gems. Join the MoGraph Slack channel and the Discord. Uh, MoGraph Slack if you want to ask questions and uh, you know hang out and nerd out with other people. And if you want to do that in person on your, on your uh, computer, you can hang out in our Discord. We hang out there all day nerding out. Um, episode 400 is next week. I have no idea what we're doing at all. <laughs> but it's episode 400. I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, so it will just be our last episode. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So make sure you follow some things. And um, also, this is this is pretty meta right here. One of the reasons we're able to provide this content is our sponsor, <laughs> Otoy. Uh, MoGraph's <laughs> universal sponsor. You know who they are. The makers of Octane Render, the Render Network. You can, uh, you can render things on Octane, make them pretty, and you can render them quickly on the Render Network. Just go to otoy.com, thank them for helping make the show possible, or you could just thank them right now in the chat because, <laughs> <laughs> because we're here. Um, last week, we had a poll, and we're going to do a quick follow-up on that. It was which Octane feature are you most excited about? We had... Uh, 14% say post-shader graphs, 14% say new geometry pipeline, 29% said the mixed platform rendering. We're going to talk about all this today. And 43% denoiser AOV notes. So that's fun. That's fun. And so yeah. we, uh, we don't want to take up too much time with the headlines today, but we have a couple things we're going to talk about real quick. So let's uh, real quick get to headlines. <laughs> All right, the Punisher. He's got a new challenge out, new 3D community challenge, and uh, this is a pretty good one. I think you know, maybe, maybe I'll participate in it. You know, just for fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I could win the prize though, and we'll talk about that uh, here in a minute. Uh, he put this video out. I want you to check out this clip because our friend Scott Unra is it Unra or Unra? I say Unra. Unra. I'm pretty Unra. sure it's Unra. Anyway, like I, I hear everybody saying his name that way. And then uh, uh -huh. all of a sudden I heard him say his name the other day, and he said it another way, and I felt like an idiot uh, for pronouncing <laughs> his name wrong. But, uh, but uh, Punisher actually uh, called him out on this challenge. Check this out. And if you've seen him around and thought, oh, man, I always wanted to join one of those. Well, now is the time. Scott, I'm looking at you. This is your time. You got this. <laughs> directly. Directly called out, which is funny. Um so this is the Eternal Ascent. Here's the template here. This is, uh, this is the template you're going to use. I've been thinking about, you know, should I attempt this or not? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, there's cool. tons and tons and tons and tons of prizes. That's the thing. All the way from, uh, I think, I believe, fourth and fifth place all the way up to first place. There's tons of first place prizes. They've got, uh, mm. what do they got? Uh, 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 Rococo... What do they got? Rococo Coil. Coil. They got full mm -hmm. performance capture bundle, smart suit pro two, smart gloves, head rig, artist pro twenty four drawing display, max on one subscription, grayscale gorilla plus subscription, Django effect suite, Rococo vision subscription, two hundred dollar craft gift certificate. 
No, craft, calft, calft. Not craft. Yeah. You're not getting the mac and cheese. <laughs> You're not getting mac and cheese. Well, we would eat craft dinners. <laughs> we just eat more. Um, you, you get that reference, Matt? Nobody gets that reference. Anyway, um, the last prize, though, I want you to check out this clip uh, because I, I think you might know these people. Check this out here. Like, actually, finally, this is the last first place prize. You're flying out to hang out with me this September at Camp Mograph in Chicago. They're also setting up camp in Australia, too, for those artists on that side of the world. But Camp Mograph is probably the best 3D artist convention of all time because instead of a loud show floor and flashy lights, you are surrounded by serene, natural beauty. Instead of marketing and salespeople, there's lifelong friendships to be made. And instead of crowded panels, there's intimate workshops led by some of your favorite 3D artists. I might also be teaching some yoga classes. We'll see. We'll see. The camp counselors are saving you a spot, and the very good people at Maxon are flying you out. So it is all expenses paid. That's going to be fun. And uh, speaking, be fun. Of, oh, speaking of which, of course, uh, Camp MoGraph, uh, Matt, you can cover this here. Yeah, absolutely. Super excited. Uh, I don't know if y'all heard last week, but uh, we finally announced the U.S. location, which is going yeah. to be just north of Chicago, uh, September 12th through 16th of this year. I'm super excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, make sure to go to campmograph.com to uh, get more information. If you're not already on our mailing list, make sure and sign up there. Um, also, we've got we still have tickets available for Camp MoGraph Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is happening June 27th through 30th. 30th um, in the Brisbane area, and it is going to be a lot of fun. Our first venture outside of the country, so we are super excited about that. Make sure to go to campmograph.com.au for more information on that. Yep. So that's pretty much it. Uh, The last thing I did want to mention, though, was uh, the uh, Frame 1 season finale. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, Dryzen is uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus finishing this season of Frame 1, and he has done kind of a, a, a final episode that covers all the other episodes and like has clips and stuff from it. Uh, so um, make sure you check that out. In fact, uh, here's a little, uh, little taste of it here. Hey, fellow MoGrapher. I'm Dryzen, and I would love to personally invite you to check out Frame One, a podcast where I sit down with creative leaders within our industry to hear the journey of their startup story, how they felt, and of course, uncover tips and tricks that they use to find success in their business. If you've ever considered freelancing or maybe even starting your own studio, you need to check out Frame One, available on all podcasting platforms and, of course, at frameoneshow.com. All right, so if you want to check out that episode, it's available on his channel, or you can just keep watching MoGraph TV 24-7. It's uh, coming up next after this show, so you can just keep watching. Turn it on, rip the knob off. That's got it up right there. Yep. So I think we covered all the things as fast as we can because we've got a lot of octane nerding to do. Mm-hmm. First of all, <laughs> before we... Before, oh. Uh, Jen Van Horn says it's going to drive her nuts, the, the craft dinner thing. It's the If I Had a Million Dollars song. Yeah, there she goes. She got okay. it. <laughs> okay, good. There you go. Um, first of all, congratulations, Jules, on being a, a new yes. dad. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Joining uh, the crazy been... world of parenthood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's been three months. Uh, I love it. It's been, it's just, it's life changing. But of course, I think everybody that's 
head of child probably knows that, but for me, it's our first. Um, mm-hmm. It's been wonderful. So, been amazing. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you, 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 Thank you guys. Play. Thank you so much. You can sleep in about 18 years. If you need advice, <laughs> yeah. we do have a parenting channel on our Slack if you need advice. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I might, I might pick you up on that. <laughs> it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I can't get the baby to sleep. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> That's he's, awesome. he's amazing. He's amazing. How are you? How are you doing balancing the 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 work thing with all of that? Is it a challenge? It is. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm the kind of person that you know, 14 years slept in the office, um, and I still have to do that a couple of times in the last few months for various projects. But mm-hmm. um, I think I think it's I think the balance has been the balance of the force has been reached. So you know, I I kind of think that um, you know, it's it. it it's normalized. I, uh, you know, I, at least I can do a lot of work from home so I can be there with, you know, with the baby. And, uh, uh, you know, my wife's been, you know, May's been incredible. I mean, she's taken up so much of, of, um, you know, the slack when work is called. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's been okay. You know, it's just been, it, obviously these first few months were probably some of the more challenging ones. Um, mm-hmm. That's but sure. it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. And I've had a great support network. Yeah. Honestly, between family and friends and colleagues. So that's been, that's made it a lot easier. That's awesome. awesome. Well, I got a lot of things on my list. We'll probably jump around quite a bit. Some of the stuff I have on here is actually stuff that's already out. There, there's a yeah. few things where I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't even know if it's out because I've just been like head down in some projects. And I was like, is, mm-hmm. is that note even in here yet? I, I haven't had a chance to try mm-hmm. it. So uh, first of all, an- analytic lights are great, by the way. Yes. Thank you. Uh, loving that. Um, is is it a limit of eight? Is that right? Eight or four? Four? Eight. It's it's eight. So we we could make it anything, and I think there's a, there's a. I'm going to nudge maybe up to sixteen if it's not already in the works for twenty. I think twenty twenty four. Um, but you know, it's, it's some of these things. You know, we're probably going to talk a bunch about brigade. I want to start by saying 85% of everything I've ever shown in Brigade is inside of Octane today. Analytic lights were one of those Brigade features where mm. you know oh. I was showing those things where lights would move around and it was instantaneous. And that's where those came from. And that code from those Brigade demos I put into I had a team, I should say, put it in Octane 2023. And even back in the Brigade you know, demo days, back when we were showing the pieces, it was eight. It's, it's a limitation of you can make it more, but it'll slow it down. So I mm-hmm. think that we want to kind of tune it and push up to 16. can go higher. Um, but there is a lot of, you know, a, a lot of the things that push out, let's say, the last 50% of Brigade were like the end of the lights when we, were, we added them in there, as cool as they were in Brigade in isolation. You know, our goal has been... I don't really want to have Brigade be this totally separate thing. I want it to be so that you can use Octane, and at some point you just have all of the Brigade pieces in your normal workflow, and there isn't this massive switchover, this massive state. So there is a couple of things that, that we did where you almost barely see that work, but it was a huge amount. But uh, Analyze Lights were one of the more visible pieces. The parts that was maybe less visible, um, I remember it was Dino that, that, you know, who's joined our team now and has been doing a lot of QA and mm-hmm. testing and stuff. He was trying standalone, and there's a thing in standalone called real-time mode, which... If you turn that on, the viewport goes to 4K 60 frames a second. Now, shading can still be noisy or slow, but the speed is exactly what we were showing in all those brigade demos mm-hmm. um, back in the day, and it's in there in Octane. And so one of the reasons why it doesn't show up, for example, in the Cinema 4D plugin um, is that there needs it, it, you know, C44 forces you to go to CPU and then back to GPU. It kills the speed. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we're friends of Master. We're working very close with them to fix that issue. Uh, Unreal, the Unreal plugin does have that real-time mode fully supported in the viewport, so it's possible. And I think the last piece, uh, you know, the analytic lights are, are one of those cool features. The last piece was the temporal denoiser. That's the thing that 
I think is the piece of people like, well, yeah, that, that, yeah, when that ship's arrived, yeah. that brigade. And the reason why we didn't ship that was because in 2023, it was too slow. And I, I was feeling like, you know, it's, that's why we had this closed beta. Um, and then I, I did have, you know, people like Dino and others try it out and give me feedback. And, and it, it, it's like, it needs to be super fast. So we, it, it's been under six to eight months of optimization. And the hope is that once that speed is up, we can finally release a temporal denoiser this year. And at that point, I think everything you've ever seen, even in the Brigade benchmark we put out, will be in the, you know, in the product. But it'll be spectrally correct. It'll have all these features working, and it won't be this separate thing. I mean, that's kind of the decision I kept going back to. Is like, do we really want to have two renderers or two totally different pipelines or try to just make Octane have all these features? And I think the latter part has been what we bet on. And I hopefully, you know, for artists in the end, that's what, that's what the right decision will be as well for them. So you said the uh, the the real time rendering uh, is already in standalone. It's it is in standalone. You okay. Turn on this lightning bolt flag. And, okay. You know, and, and you know, to keep to keep the shading fairly simple, but you know, to see the effect. But you will sure. get 4K 60 um, hmm. on a certainly on a on a 4090, probably a 3090 as well. And it's also in Unreal. You said it is in it's in all of the plugins. The problem is turning on a real time mode. When you don't have so real time mode does one thing that Octane never did. Octane would always store something on the CPU and then copy uh -huh. it over to the window. And real time mode does it just like a video game, which is what the brigade mm -hmm. quality speed needs, which is everything right. is rendered on um, that you're seeing the viewport is rendered on one GPU, and it doesn't go to back to system memory. It doesn't go into a buffer. It just goes right to the screen, and you need that if you're going to run at 60 frames a second mm -hmm. at 4K or even 1080p. And the plugins, you know, not every uses standalone. Standalone is like you know, 10% of our users use it. 90% use a plugin like C4D or Blender mm -hmm. and so forth, or Unreal. Um, and in Unreal, we were, you know, we were able. To, the source code Unreal, we have you know, similar in Blender. We were able to do that pass through, so you can get that real time mode to to run. And I think a lot of motion graphics artists use Octane clearly in Cinema 4D. Mm -hmm. um, and we alerted Max onto the issue, and they're working with us on it. They, we all want to sort of see this 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 happen. And I think when you see that, you'll see one of those big pieces that has been there for probably like I think we we put the real time mode out there in the end of uh, 22. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's been in Octane 2022, so it's been there for a while. And I expect that once people see that or touch it, and if they want to get, you know, get a sense of that speed, go to the standalone, open your Orbex, turn on that real time mode flag, and just move the scene around. Um, it, it does not. It does not make the shading faster, but it fully utilizes those ray tracing cores to give you what I consider to be pretty much, you know, real time feedback and interactivity. And on the shading side, that's where that temporal denoiser comes in. All the noise that, that we want reduced, we have like one frame to reduce it, right? So there's a lot of stuff out there, like Rister and other things that have been introduced to do that. I mean, it's we, we have techniques that are similar to that, and that's what the gauge been using to do. The cleanup, you know, in real time, um, and it works really well. But the problem is, it drops the frame rate down to mm. 15 or something, which sounds like it's fine. But then it's like a <laughs> self-fulfilling curve of like at 15 frames a second, the denoiser doesn't work as fast as it should if, it, if you have 60. And so it's tuned for that kind of like 30 to 60 range. That's why mm -hmm. it can't drop below 30. A lot of t technical in the weeds things, but that's the explanation for where Brigade is at and where we're going with it. So I, I figured, and like lights mm -hmm. are a part of that. I didn't need to take us off into the. Into the no, 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 it's great. So it's great, is it, yeah. it going to naturally progress that way, or are you still bringing out a, a specific kernel for it, or is it just going to just kind of be built in? There will there, So the real-time mode is where those things are, you know, is where you'll trigger the most brigade-like features while still having octane quality. Um, and if already you try that, even in standalone, you'll see a couple of things change. 
it'll switch from multi-GPU to one GPU for the moment because right now we're just tuning it for a single GPU to get the, to get that speed up, and then the second GPU will be doing other things that can be fed into it. Um, but those those things are coming. It'll be in a real-time mode that is going to be not just a, not so much a kernel as a, a flag. You know, like like you will go from something like I want to have this thing run faster in real time, and it's just one button. And that's it. And it's already in standalone. And it might already be sort of exposed in the plugins to some degree based on what the plugin devs have done. But it's been kind of useless in anything but the Unreal plugin because, again, we haven't had that direct GPU viewport um, connection, which we desperately need for this to all work. So that's the um, that's sort of the path. There won't be anything crazier than that. You should be able to use any kernel, including direct lighting, uh, you know, path tracing. Photon mapping is probably not going to work super great in, in, in there, but it'll it'll all sort of run with the existing kernels, and you'll have a separate flag. Certain things will change, like if you want to do instantaneous depth of field. Um, it's a post-processing effect, but it works really well. We can even add it now. Mm-hmm. And people have been playing with some of the new post-effects. There's instantaneous fog. It was like people on the list of things, I want fast fog. I want it to be instantaneous, right. and mm-hmm. I want it to work with light. So it, it, it does sort of... Those things are all in there. They'll, they also come out of our brigade stack, and the plan is just to this year have it all, all the brigade pieces, all those things that were separately developed, integrate nicely in a nice continuum inside of Octane proper, regardless of what kernel you're using. So uh, currently now, if I was to export an Orbex out of Cinema 4D, bring it into standalone, could I try out that? The, Real-time mode, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, nice. And and, and that, granted, this doesn't have the temporal denoiser, but it is significantly faster. And I would I would again make the screen large, and testing and interactivity. And I I thought it was always pretty great. But I mean I think I think when when Dino joined us um, and started really looking into these things and asking me questions day by day, right? I was like, well, have you tried this mode? He's like, oh my goodness, you know, most most computers don't see this. You know, they yeah. they've never seen this thing turn on. And I realized, wow. I'm, Probably that's that's the reason why you know it has been more people like talking about it, and that's that's true. So that that sort of you know pushed me to um you know to really figure out why this wasn't possible in uh, in the current Max NSDK, and I think we're 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 near solving that. So I, I expect that will be a really nice boost as well. Amazing, awesome. yeah. amazing, yeah. and all the other post effect stuff, chromatic aberration, the lens flare. Is is the optical zoom motion blur in twenty three, or is that coming up? Is it already in there? It's, it's, I think it's coming. I think whatever pieces we have in there are not the full piece. So it'll be coming in 2024. Uh, we've got two releases just like, um, you know, we did last year for 23. I mean, that'll probably be a bigger, bigger one towards the end of the year. But I think 2024.1, we're going to wrap it up around, you know, next few months, three or four months, I think. So um, I'll see if we can squeeze it in there. But it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going into the Uniflow camera as well that's been nice. Uh, we have kernel switching. We've got those new, yeah, brand new AV system. Uh, yeah. which now you can write shaders in, which is like, that's a full compositing tool. If you build it, yeah, I mean, obviously the interface that we have with an Octane standalone isn't terrific, but you could build a, a really impressive compositing system with a render with those pieces in there. And some of the plugins, you know, we have a new plugin that's you know, around Octane that, that probably could, could you know, leverage that. But I think there's there's a you know, case for me that you can have a pretty amazing compositing workflow uh, with, with an Octane, you know, with the core that we have. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the post effects shader graphs. Um, yeah, the so you can use any texture. It says you can use any texture as a layer in an output AOV, right? Yeah. Is that so? What it, what is? I guess I'm trying to figure out the use case for me uh, for that. So <laughs> because I I don't quite even understand that sentence. <laughs> well, 
Let me put it this way. So if you, if you wanted to apply, you know, you have these, these textures that are, that are, we always have global textures for like two years now, right? Where you want to create just a shader and just have that as an AOV. Um, you can then take the cryptomat output and you can mask that in the compositor and in the viewport and the beauty pass have it all blended together nicely. You can also create shaders that are that are post effects that are things that are just meant to be run not in the texture but you know if you wanted to run um, you know like a blur filter or a sharpening filter or something on the actual viewport using a cryptomat pass or using something from the rendering passes all of that's possible. Mm. Yeah, so okay. think of all the plugins you have for things like After Effects or or Premiere. Right. I mean, those those anything that is now a texture or shader inside of Octane can be used as a, you know, almost as a post-processing pass with it with, as a filter. And that's pretty neat uh, without leaving guess, yeah. you know, the uh, the render. And you can then feed that yeah. to the next rendering pass. And so there's a lot you can do there. Um, and, you know, from the very earliest days of Octane, people love the post-processing. They love the glares, the glints and all that. Right. And, you know, this is I mean, you can make almost anything with that and, and, and you know, build more and more interesting pieces with those those elements. I mean, I, I pushed for that because I was like, I want to have more control. I want to have absolute control over, you know, the color wheel and balance and things like that, more than what we have in our built-in effects. And again, like OSL and those things, I mean, they give you that, that capability, but having that in the post-processing pipeline and being able to share that also with the, um, uh, with the rendering pipeline, I think it's pretty neat. I'm not sure there's uh, OSL shaders that are in um, the, the post-processing pipeline and other renders, I think ours is, is maybe one of the earliest ones. But I mean, I've, I miss having, you know, having that as an artist and I'm glad that it's there. Um, but just even taking all of the existing nodes that we have um, and running things through that, I think, I and mean, even UV distortion, like you can do 2D like ripples and, and map that over parts of the 3D. Oh, okay. Oh, there you have, yeah. I mean, any, any procedural, any shader can be done as a layer in the post post-processing side of things. And you can sort of cue that up by taking a 3D model and running an a global AV on that and then feeding that as a layer into the post-processing paths and then doing some funky stuff with that. There's some really cool effects, probably on us to do more examples, but you know, it's, it's extremely powerful and pretty exciting. I try to be a purist whenever I'm creating stuff. Like I'm working on something right now. I'm like, I, my goal in this project right now is to not do anything in After Effects. Just everything yeah. is going to be straight out of Octane. That's my. <laughs> I, I, I'm that's with my goal. you. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's our goal too. In the sense that you know, a lot of people really, you know, obviously there, there's tons of, of pipelines that are you know, you just take what's coming out of the render, you do AVs, mm -hmm. do your thing, and then the tool. But I do think that there's a lot to be said for a whole group of artists, and I'm one of them, um, who wants to do it all in in Octane. And I think that you know, there's there's I you know, technically there's a lot we can be doing now with those 2024 post-processing AOV features and shaders. And that's kind of my goal is that we we get there and maybe along the way build things that are really tough to do in in After Effects. And remember, we still have control of the the rendering buffer directly. It's spectral. It can be, you know, right. that quality can be can be carried over into post. So there's some exciting possibilities there too. So let's talk about the Mac side of, of things a little bit. Um, I'm saving yeah. I'm saving the headset stuff for, yeah. for the end. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I know this is gonna be hard not to talk about. But um, as far as CUDA and metal, I actually I have a question uh, from somebody online who's sent in. If I could find it real quick, um, it's regarding it. Okay, it's regarding Octane on Apple devices using Intel processors and and um, yeah. the. You know where are you going as far as support on Intel processors coming up? Because there's there's changes, of course, going on at Apple. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, this person was wondering, you know, are you stopping support uh, for Intel on like Mac OS 13? 
Yeah, so I think I think we do. I mean, to start with, I mean, obviously, we looked at Apple to figure out where, <laughs> where to focus our efforts on, and it's no it's no secret. I mean, it's been a couple. You know, we've been working with their engineering teams for like thirteen years. I mean, it's a really close relationship partnership on the on the engineering side. You know, and and I think that you know when we were back in twenty twenty when we announced Octane X, I mean, there, there there wasn't really Apple Silicon, so everything we were doing was about getting Octane that point, Octane twenty twenty the equivalent. Running on Intel, I mean, and it did run. It ran on Intel GPUs, AMD GPUs, and yes, the M1 when it came out. Um, but since then, I mean, as we've had other features, we're now in Octane 2024. It's been, I'm just going to say that it's it's so difficult to take any features beyond what we had in Octane 2020 and bring them both to Apple Silicon and at the same time have no compromises on Intel, older Intel um, Macs. You know, it's just, it's something where it's like we've, I'm t- certainly taking Octane X 2020. I think it works on, on Mac OS 13. I mean, there may be some issues, and I have to look into that. But it's definitely not something we can keep supporting going into the future because Apple themselves are just they don't sell any Intel Mac anymore. It's not a product mm-hmm. that even exists currently, and they, even they have features that just don't work on you know like on later on later things. You can't develop uh, you know I think things for the headset right on on, on Intel Mac some stuff like that where. You imagine on the developer side with with APIs, like we've asked them and pushed them for specific APIs in Metal so we can make Octane to work, and there's a limit to that on on older mm-hmm. um, older maps. Some of those mm-hmm. APIs just don't work the same, yeah. and that's the reason why that we just can't bring like the latest Octane to the to the older Intel Max. And even on the operating system side of things, there's some issues there. That doesn't mean that if like there is like a huge number of users and I may not be aware of them that are looking for the Octane X2020 to work on a later Mac OS. You know, send me at infoatotoy.com that email. I just want to look into it to make sure. But my understanding is we've taken it as far as we can. And resource-wise, you know, we're it's already a lot of work to take to, you know, full parity with all the things we're doing on, I think, 2024. Obviously, Apple now has ray tracing hardware, huge, um, mm-hmm. huge leap, you know, which we're, we're in the midst of, of fully, that we support it. But, like, you know, I want to make sure it's, like, absolutely as, as you know, <clears throat> as performant as it is on, on NVIDIA and could and RTX. Um, our focus is really just on those two for now, but you know that's that's the answer is that it's been really difficult to support Intel Max, the, the, the tools, the APIs, the things that we depend on um, that are there in Apple Silicon that work fine in Apple Silicon just don't work the same on those older you know, pieces of hardware. And they work great on sense. Apple Silicon. Yeah, my, my Mac Studio Silicon, yeah. is a it is a hoss. It is a machine. Like it, it is it is a really it is, it is. It is my most stable machine that I have, <laughs> even working, and especially now with the cross compatibility between Mac yeah. and PC. As I was telling you earlier, like my Mac is my main machine, and it's so small. It's just tiny. It's just tiny right here, you yeah. know. It can work with every other computer in my house now. Now I just got to yeah. throw PC nodes at it, just over and over again. Right. Yeah, and lots mm. of the thing is we spent we spent a lot of time. For example, we rebuilt both the PC version and the Mac the Mac version. I think so they could both talk to the same and you know have mm-hmm. network rendering. Um, and so that, that's an example where it's like it would, if we had to do it a third or fourth time on, on Intel and and AMD GPUs, um, that would have been tough. They were they're they're different, but yeah, I mean with with the latest version now, you are able to hook up you know five forty nineties to your Mac Studio and have the extra rendering power on your Mac Studio, which is pretty cool. Uh, and and that's and there are things like that that I think make the Mac a lot more you know viable and interesting. But even on single GPU on on an you know M2 Ultra or an M3 Max, which I have now on my MacBook Pro, to next to me, I mean the performance is pretty great. 
and I don't think Apple's done. I think they, you know, they, they you know, the, the, the force of how they need to get these chips to like two nanometers or three, you know, whatever, you know, three and mm-hmm. for the next iPhone, um, has just pushed them to this this really good power envelope. And there is something unique. I mean, this thing has, you know, my Mac is 128 gigs of VRAM. My MacBook right. Pro. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can find a video card with more than 48. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I'm just saying. <laughs> You know, there are things like, you know, they have, you know, it, it's it's interesting. And I do think that I'm very happy we invested in getting, you know, Octane X um, working so well on the Mac. I mean, there's still issues. It's, it's still a very different system than NVIDIA. But, you know, supporting NVIDIA on, on PC and on the high end, on the cloud, plus doing it on the Mac, plus having those being able to talk to each other feels like it's the right, you know, application of resources, developer time and effort, you know, for what all artists need. And there's more. I mean, we do have an AMD version of Octane for PC, it's just I it it's just not very performant and a lot of mm-hmm. issues there. So we've held that back a bit, and it's not been like a huge you know issue on our users. So yeah. I think in terms of just moving as fast as we can, especially given again there are things like brigade things. I want to get out the door, um, having sort of the focus on on the on the Apple you know silicon side of things and on the PC Nvidia. I mean Linux obviously also works fine with Nvidia. Those are our our areas of deep focus right now on the core developing. Mm-hmm. You were giving us you gave us a stat on something before the show the iphone equipment yes so yeah. iphone 15 max pro um has it, it is and that's a rich issue of hardware in there by the way without even using that that octane you know we have an octane for iphone app we haven't released it just the ipad versions out but that thing runs as fast as the m1 i mean if you load this wow. same same resolution <laughs> viewport buffer probably faster in activity you know, and that's a three-year lag time right between I mean, the m1 um was all you could get when Apple Silicon was announced. I think it was the you know, M1 MacBook Air. Uh, this thing's faster than that. The iPhone 15 is, uh, Mac Pro is faster. And it's also about the same speed as the um, you know, iPad Pro, the M1 iPad Pro. So what's interesting is you give Apple three years, you know, the M3 um, that's now out there that's you know, top of the line, um, I expect within three or four years you have an iPhone that's as fast as that. And that's kind of crazy, but also mm-hmm. as we get to look at things like the Apple, you know, headset and and, and uh, spatial computer. Sorry, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's you can imagine having a lot of power in your pocket that rivals what you'd have to carry in a laptop or certainly a desktop. Mm-hmm. It's getting crazy, and I, I have to give kudos to Apple for putting that much power in a in a phone chip. I mean, that's pretty pretty that's remarkable. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we haven't seen the M3 Ultra yet, so you know, obviously, that's yeah, is, you know. But yeah, so I'm waiting for for more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for the M3 Ultra before I upgrade because right now I'm on the Mac Studio M1 Ultra, so I can't wait yeah. to see what that looks like. I mean, I'm hoping it's double the speed. You know, I mean, yeah. it's weird. I, I also, I mean, I, obviously, I'm, I get everything Apple, but I did deliberately skip from you know the M1 you know Max uh, MacBook Pro to the to the you know M3 Max, and it was mm-hmm. doubling the speed easily. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I expect that there'll be an iPad at some point with an M3 in there, which will also be double the speed. Uh, but, yeah, it's Apple's done some great work, and it's unique. I mean, there isn't really any other usable platform out there that has, you know, system memory and video memory all in one, mm-hmm. one chip. I mean, there are limits to, obviously, you can't put four GPUs, and you can't put two GPUs in any Apple device at this point, yeah. right? But you can link them to, to an external Apple box or an external PC box, which we solved with network rendering. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's... That's at least sort of provided a tool for you know artists on the Mac to have more power. Absolutely, than they need yeah. It. yeah, yeah. And it's so is, easy is to do headless, network stuff. You know, it's so is easy. headless rendering still on the 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 agenda? It is. It is on the agenda, and we've had it working for a while now. It's just it's just more 
issues with user friction and things like that that we need to figure out. So headless rendering works, it, it's been working for about 10 years. If you load up the Blender plugin, uh, you'll notice there's something called Octane Server that comes separately from the, yeah. the way Blender works. Yeah. And by the way, I love the Blender as, I mean, Tom and I have gotten to become really close friends. I spoke at the Blender conference. I'm speaking, I'm keynoting the Blender conference in April in LA. That's um, awesome. I think it's a, it's a huge market. I mean, millions of Blender users and Octane's free for Blender. So it's not like, you, you know, for one, one GPU, which is now, yeah. and I, you can, it's like eight GPUs from the past. So it's, it's really something where I, 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 you know, Blender has, but the GPL is an issue there. It forces us to have a server that you run Octane on and then Blender can talk to it. And mm -hmm. we've just gotten open source, you know, Blender with an add-on only to talk to that server. But here's the interesting part. That server can also talk to Octane standalone, to all the plugins which means that none mm -hmm. of the rendering is done inside Cinema 4D or an Octane standalone or an Unreal. It's done on that same exact server that Blender is using. That is working. We just have to put the pieces into the, um, into the plugins to, to enable that. And it's more just like, well, you know, in Blender, it's, it's been there for a while. It's like it's user, it's battle tested. Um, in, in our other plugins, it's not. So it's in closed beta, but it's fully headless. You can, I mean, just like with Blender, where there's nothing, no Octane's running inside of Blender, no Octane's running in C40 other than the, the, you know, the, the plugin sending messages. But it's mm -hmm. the same exact messaging system that we use in, in, to send it to Blender. And now, since Octane 2023 and 2024 now, that Octane server that you get for Blender will be the same one used for headless rendering in all the plugins. And there's crazy cool. things. You can send three different DCCs to that server and you can kind of share your scene. I've been showing that in our GCC talks for a while. It's been working for a while, but again, my experience with releasing software is that when you release something and it's like not fully polished, you artists will get more mad than they'll be happy. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I just want it to work really perfectly, and there's still, yeah. still some issues. It's still a bit flaky, and but but it's there. So headless rendering is more than just like a, a roadmap feature. It's there. We just have to figure out how to release those pieces into each of the plugins, and mm -hmm. that's it. I mean, at that point, then you'll be able to leverage um, the Octane server element the same way it works in Blender. And you might notice that if Octane does crash and the server Blender doesn't crash, you can reboot yes. reboot it, right? So it'll be the same in all the that, plugins. That yeah. works the same way on my Mac as well. Like, I find I don't have to shut down C4D if it crashes for me. I just restart the render, and it starts working again. Oh, that's just bug fixing. That's not headless rendering. We just, we just yeah. I think, improved the, you know, the yeah. stability of it. But, <laughs> but there's, even, there's even a greater island of stability, if you want to call it that, when you, mm -hmm. when you have it as a separate process. But um, the other thing that's interesting is you could then have you know, the Octane server. We haven't allowed this officially, but you can put it on another machine entirely, have zero GPUs, and just run you know, run it on a whole different machine. It's probably not fully necessary, especially since I think most machines, even a Mac, right, have, have a pretty powerful GPU at the, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. right, the, um, uh, you know, right on device. But it is something where if you have, you don't have enough memory or you want to run something that, you know, it, it could, it could work that way too. Mm -hmm. So 2024, let's talk about the 2024 features. You got yeah. alphas out. You can even get it on like on Cinema 4D right now, uh, mm -hmm. there's yep. a version to play with. I downloaded it, but I'm waiting to finish a project before I move over <laughs> and try these alpha features here. But I've been working in it, and you're not supposed to. <laughs> it says do no, not, not use for production, and yeah. I've, I've just been straight up using it. Well, let me say, most of the features we've just been talking about, including the post-processing things, the Mac, Mac PC network rendering, that's mm -hmm. in 2024. That is not a 2023 feature. Yeah, it is right. in the beta. So. You know, our, our just to talk, <laughs> and those are great features, and glad they work. I mean, and, you know, we're not releasing stuff that is like super alpha, but it is definitely mm -hmm. beta. Um, but you know, we're hoping that you know the, the idea with 2024 is it wraps up first half of this year, 
and we have a second release before the um, before the end of the year, and maybe some interims in between with bug fixing and other elements. And there are things where you know, I've there are two features that are so that are really exciting. I mean, I've been showing meshlets for a while, right? Meshlets yeah, is where you have ask, yeah. everything on disk. Yeah, and 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 obviously, if we again, it's like it works in its own little isolated piece or in test builds of Octane. Um, putting it into production has always been a challenge, and we're doing it in two phases. And I think the first phase is much closer to release, which is there are two things you can stream in from the disk: textures and meshes. Texture streaming is, I think, much further along, and my hope is that that gets out. I hope as it gets out in the first 2024 release or, or shortly thereafter, um, so that you have just unlimited textures on, on disk and it just gets pulled in as it needs to as you're moving through the scene. Nice. And the geometry portion is the same way. It works just like Nanite in, in Unreal. I mean, except it's mm -hmm. an Octane. That was the goal of the feature. Um, it's, again, like many things, developing these things, getting it to a place where it's stable. It works just as well for, in every scenario for artists. You know, that last like 5% is, is probably the last year of work on it. But they're, they're they're getting there, and that those are those are high priorities on the 2024 future feature roadmap. Um, but there's there's tons in the current release. I mean, anybody could just download and play around with the features now, and you know, as Matt's been doing, and maybe even do some work with it. But um, <laughs> not recommended. But but it's definitely you know, it's if you so choose and take the risk, um, you know, those features are there in people's hands. Uh, and and I think that there's. Um, there's definitely a lot more that we could be doing with, uh, you know, I want to also be focused on, on different kinds of displacement mapping. I mean, we do have two kinds. We've got the vertex one, which is purely mesh-based, texture displacement, which is texture-based. And there's always been this goal of doing something in between um, that has the best of both. That's still, you know, something we're focused in and we're, and we're working on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we covered a, a bunch of the good, you know, headline features in 2024 with the post-processing stack map you see. That, you know, sharing and and there's a lot more. I mean, obviously, yeah. um, there's like pages of, of new new and improved features, lots of new nodes. Um, we're also pretty far along. I, I don't know how much this matters to you know people out there that are not you know not that don't care about standards so much, but you know we are doubling down on USD support and we're doubling mm -hmm. down on Material X support. There's an entire yeah. team developing Material X. Everything Material X will be supported. And same thing with USD. I mean, even in Orbex file, you know, Orbex is just a lightweight wrapper around. Formats that we, you know, that are open source, like a LeanBIC or FBX, USD. But we're trying to move it so that everything in Orbex is effectively a USD file with extensions that have been in Orbex or ITMF. And I think that'll be nice because then you'll be able to open Orbex and like Reality Composer for Apple, that Apple makes and edit things and then push that out to the Vision Pro. And there's a lot of stuff that's useful in USD. And we're, we joined the USD standards organization, Material X, same thing. Um, we're going to try to make it so that whatever's missing in those specs that Octane has, for example, that I think are useful, those go in there. And and uh, and I think open standards really help. I mean, you know, we've been working with um, the Arnold guys and 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 the Red and Redshift team for a while on trying to standardize on things. That's why we picked standard surface. It was a suggestion from the Arnold team. And mm -hmm. Redshift have something similar. I do too. I mean, it's it's and there's a new one. That, so we talked to the Adobe guys. We do Adobe used to. You know, be you know, big eye Pixar. I mean, they're driving it standard surface 2.0, which we're of course adopting, and that'll be that'll be you know pretty close, I think, to something that'll work really well in most renderers right off the bat. Um, and I, I would also like to make sure that if we do add custom things, you know, for Octane, that it's something that other renderers could at least adopt. Um, you know, Vectrod's been in Octane since 2018. Um, it's been, you know, it's a long time now. And I've been trying to get that to be a, yeah, it's written in OSL, you know, these procedural shapes, these fractals we can create. It'd be great to have that standardized in OSL so that other renderers, however they implement them, right? I mean, we do it our way on, our, on the GPU, get to leverage those same shaders. I'm excited about the streaming of textures and meshlets strictly for my network because 
you know, I don't have the the money to change my infrastructure over to 10G here at the office, and uh, so yeah. <laughs> I only have one gig uh, network, and it's it's 99% of the time it's fine. But when I get overzealous and I start adding 8K textures to everything, it's like all oh, all of a sudden I'm transferring 20 gig of data over to my my yeah. nodes, you know. <laughs> so I, I imagine that's going to be incredible. Yeah. Well, I think in some of the videos we've started showing the mesh list, it's showing the bandwidth from disk into GPU memory, right? Because it's, it's continuous. Like, it's always pulling stuff out. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that it's it was – it was. I mean, we were even running it over the Internet. Like, we tried it over just regular – like, what if we put the – you know, put all the data instead of being a hard drive that's local? And granted, you probably want that if you're <laughs> doing it in super yeah. fast real time. Yeah. But it was running over – you know, I mean, there, my phone gets like a iPad – um, one gig you know, spectrum internet here at the house and you mm-hmm. know that will get me 300 megabits and I think it was about 300 megabits a second was a stream that we were getting into the GPU um, you know when it was pulling things over them not bad I mean yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case in all in all situations but um, it's 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 definitely something where I, you know if you if you have tons of displacement or you want to render a planet or I mean, all yeah. the stuff Nanite's been good for, you know, that, that kind of stuff it will, will be great. And we want to make it so that it's pretty easy in the archive pipeline to sort of, you know, check a, an object or texture and have it be suitable for effectively, you know, being streamed in. Uh, last 2024 thing I want to hit, um, the Octane GPT stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so we, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty cool. We fed it every, so we, we went to, uh, you know, it, it's using OpenAI GPT-4. Um, and we fed it everything that we could um, about Octane, and it's a uh, you know, and it's you know, we use the you know the GPT API, and it gives you a little instead of having you know go to the website documentation, you just ask it a question. And we've also been working to train it on code, so it can generate you know Lua scripts for you, um, you know OSL shaders, uh, you know, eventually basically creating you know pieces of the node graph. And I think that that's kind of where I mean I look at AI as being split into separate things, LLMs, right, large language models. Mm-hmm. We can speak to it and you can give it prompts to do something. I mean, rather than just spitting out some weird AI image, which I think is, is you know, what a lot of people are doing with it now, it'd be great if it could actually, like, you know, if you could sort of art direct it to fill in something or have a complex thing that requires a tutorial to understand, you know, mm-hmm. like, like try different things out. So having it understand the octane scene graph, the node graph, and, and those elements, I think is really cool. But for right now, it just saves you a lot of tech support. You can ask it specific questions. I mean, the example I posted when I, which was me asking, you know, Octane GPT those, uh, you know, those queries was actually like, pretty useful. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, like a lot of the power, the, the, the first order of uh, value, I think, of AI is that if you have a lot of support documentation and you want to have an agent that's there on demand to be able to give you those, those responses, it works. And in our case, we trained it specifically on shader code um, on, on, you know, corner cases. I mean, we have you know, 13 years of, of, of data and user tickets and all these things to, to start with, and we can always keep adding more. So uh, it'll be a service that comes pretty much, you know, free with your Octane, well, certainly your Octane stuff. We're going to try to make it free for everyone so that it can just be used, you know, if you're using Octane for free in Blender or, you know, on the iPad app, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it can write code and the fact that it can generate nodes is pretty cool. So that's where I see more interesting things coming. If, instead of just telling you what to do, it can it can maybe sometimes implement some of those things, and I like that. I think I think that in texture generation um, mm-hmm. is pretty powerful. Yeah. I've got to know Emad from Stability AI, you know, who is very big fan of our stuff, you know, and, and, and everything we're doing pretty well, and the uh, Runway guys as well. And there's there's some. I mean, there's a lot of angst over AI. We can get into that as well. But it, it, to be honest, there's some great tools that could be added to our existing workflows. 
um, that I think we should all be leveraging. And that's my goal is just get those get those in place and um, and make everything that's already there that you use um, even better. Um, and there's a whole debate over whether you'll have neural rendering for everything, whether you're going to have ray tracing and neural rendering or, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. there's there's a debate over that, which I have my own thoughts on. That's a whole other conversation <laughs> we can get into. But I'll, right. I'll let you guys lead. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, um, I, you know, I love about the, about the OSL thing, you know, in GPT is like I've tried this just with regular chat GPT and it's been fairly successful at writing me OSL to do certain things. So like being yeah. trained specifically in that is going to be great. Um, I'm looking forward to where that where that's going, because I you know how many times have you been working on a project and you're like, ah, I just need a texture for this thing in the background. And you got to go searching for it and everything. You know, imagine you can ask, you know, something to fill it in for you or um, just yeah. you know, all those quality of life things that will make it easier for us to, to work fast. That's what I like. I agree. I agree. You know, I went, went so, you know, render after big, big news there. We can talk about that in a bit too. Moved to Solana. I've been talking mm-hmm. at the Solana Breakpoint conferences for years, every year. Except this year, because my child was born right yeah. as I was supposed to go up on stage. But, um, but you know, I, I remember in 22 at the Solana conference, I showed how I would imagine all the ISF could be used inside of Octane, right? Or inside of any 3D tool, um, even just with stable diffusion and things like that. And, of course, this texture generation, I mean, the stuff, the latest stable diffusion stuff is really good also at doing 360s. Uh, you know, so if you want an HDRI that's generated, mm-hmm. you can do that really well. Um, depth estimation is really good. And also, if you're doing any sort of compositing, right, or even that, like, you know, with the um, Wonder Dynamics app does, which I've spoken to those guys, they're great. I mean, you know, if you just want to remove something from video, drop something in that's it's rendered, I mean, AI tools for that kind of stuff are really important. And by the way, one of the reasons why I invested in doing post, you know, all these post-processing shaders in Octane is I think the post-processing pipeline is also where you can have neural renders come in and do things like, you know, take a video track and remove this whole or add something to it or do a depth extrusion. Right. And all that stuff, I think, I mean, you know, you can also turn that into, you know, about nerfs and the stuff, great work Luma's doing around and Gaussian spots and all that. That's, those, those 3D models aren't great. I mean, neural generation of 3D models is not quite there yet. It might very well get there someday, but to me, it feels like, te- you know, doing textures, doing scatter nodes, doing even node graph stuff that can be folded by AI could be really useful. Um, I think when it comes to just doing full scene 3D, We'll see. I mean, that's you know, to do that from whole cloth, you need to generate models. And everything that I've seen so far, some models look okay, but they're not at the quality of even what a you know a junior three D modeler could do. And so there's work to be done there. Um, but you know, I do think that in terms of filling in repetitive tasks or or things that are you know they're kind of like uh, you know in PowerPoint back before there was AI, right? You know, you could just hit a thing and it would give you different designs and stuff. And seeing those. Um, you know, generated for using the tools we have, like Scatter and all these things. I mean, just to explore combinations could be interesting. Could be a good tool, um, but but doing you know texture generation and things like that could be really nice as well. Uh, you know, and and my other you know effort at, at Otoy is is on faces. Right, we've been doing light stage digital doubles, not so much for. I mean, we have those those faces now available for all, for all Octane subscribers, but we've been doing it for the you know visual effects industry. You know, John Noel and and ILM and those guys for all the digital doubles. And it's to the point now where you take a light stage scan and you can take a model of somebody doing a performance live almost on a you know, on their video feed and drive that. Mm-hmm. Some of the Starface stuff we're doing showed a little bit of that with digital makeup. Um, it's very powerful. It's much way beyond anything, anything deep fake. I mean, 
it can generate three D models of hair and faces. And the machine learning aspect of it that allows you to animate characters or animate faces with it is super powerful. And I think, you know, again, it requires a human artist to do something interesting with it. It's not generate, hitting a button or a prompt and generating something. It's a, it's a great tool. So I want to roll those out this year as well. And probably around the time of GTC, I'll be showing some of the facial AI stuff that we've been doing in greater detail. I think there'll be more I can share by then. And that's coming up in end of March. Yeah, speaking of LightStage, someone was asking in the chat yeah. if you can speak on the 2024 plans for LightStage. Well, that's a big part of it. What I was describing, um, you know, we, we scanned in hundreds of, um, of, of, of people um, and, you know, we've also been very careful. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in digital rights for actors. I mean, so even mm -hmm. before all the sacks stuff blew up, you know, we, everyone that, that is, that was part of that got compensated. We have a compensation plan for them if their stuff gets, gets used in, in ways that are outside of the more simple license we provide in the, um, you know, fracking. But the data set, the richness of that data set is enough for us. I mean, even with 64 different, you know, uh, human samples or human scans that we have for people's faces and their expressions, you can do a lot of things from de-aging and all those things. And it's a little bit like the Adobe stock, um, you know, thing where everything that, that goes into the training is, is accounted for. It's commercially viable. Like, I want to provide that. Um, and the tools that will come around for LightSage will be being able to generate a realistic 3D head, like what MetaHumans does. Um, but at a higher quality. Uh, mm -hmm. And also things like de-aging. I mean, there are things that are just mm -hmm. without any sort of, you know, source or target. You could just de-age yourself. You can age yourself. You can put makeup that's physically scanned or taken from a photo on you. Those are things that are just really useful for productions um, and also just fun to play with. And the quality that we're getting at, like, you know, we pushed the envelope to rendering at 4K at 6K, um, mixing that with Octane, it's pretty great. And it's still early. I haven't really shown too much of that, but I will definitely have more to show in the next month or two. And I think that, that, that'll all be under the LightSage banner. So in addition to getting these, these beautiful scans, you'll be able to do things with them, animate them, and even have a set of tools that allow you to sort of uh, do that with arbitrary um, data. And again, I mean, we will be, anything that allows you to do that with, with, with arbitrary data, um, we want to be extremely careful with that because, again, I, I'm, I am terrified of the whole deep fake phenomenon, and, and I, I wouldn't want to be participating in something that provides an even more powerful tool than that that gives you a full 3D, you know, yeah. perfect like, quality thing. But, but there, there are guardrails around that. That's one of the reasons why we also, by the way, haven't released too much of that. I, I want to make sure that it's really safe to use, safe mm -hmm. to implement. Yeah. A lot of uh, awesome. questions today. Uh, a lot of people talking about anime kernel in the ch in the chat. Oh yes, um, yeah, and <laughs> that that is something that we've um, we I, we had a, a function that was in Octane twenty twenty three that allowed you to load a render delegate, and we built the anime kernel as for render delegate, and it never made it out of closed beta testing because it had stability issues. So that's something that I. To be honest, probably the best thing for us to do is to take that anime kernel render delegate and just put it in the core of Octane. And it's, there's one, that one missing piece, right? We have all the other elements in Octane. It's just the edges, right? The edge rendering is the only thing that's in that kernel. Um, that's definitely a priority for this year. And I apologize that it wasn't out there sooner. We just, you know, some of these things that get announced and they get far along, get sort of built in a certain way. And doing a render delegate, and then depending on the render delegate system being loaded back in Octane was probably too much. Um, so we're, we're reworking that. Uh, and again, it was stability more than anything else. And we had a lot of cool stuff in the render delegate system, but it's, it's, it actually caused more problems than it solved. So um, we have other solutions for that. Uh, but yeah, anime kernel, edge rendering. I, I would expect it by the end of this year. By the, by, let's call it November this year. I would, I would hopefully have that cool. in Octane cool. 2024. 
All right, before we get to the, the headset stuff, which is going to be awesome, um, real quick, yeah. I know some other people are asking about the uh, render on Solana transition. And some people have heard yeah. about this, some people haven't, so maybe we kind of mm-hmm. start from the beginning real quick and just talk about that transition. <clears throat> well, I'll start by probably some of the biggest news that people may not realize is I think many years as we were building Render, I mean, Render was effectively... Um, wasn't that disparate from Otoy. And right now, there's that we split them into two separate, really separate entities. So there's the Render Foundation that has its own team. I'm not even on it, by the way. I mean, I'm the founder of the Render Network. I have a ton of input into it, but it, you know, it, it runs itself. And more importantly, it has community um, proposals. So you can vote on where the Render Network goes. And granted, you know, obviously, Otoy has a big say in that, but I kind of just decided to let the votes play out. Um, and so two things, two things were voted on. One of them was, do we move to Solana and do we, you know, just frankly, Ethereum is anyone that's used render knows Ethereum gas fees and we tried even Polygon uh, or Matic. It was, it's not great. It's just slow. Um, and, and the things I don't want to give up on the blockchain part of it. I don't want to give up on that piece. I think the entire value of this, the fact that everything is on chain, the fact that every renders on chain, the fact that we're talking about provenance and, and how you prove something was generated in one way or other, valuable, right? So Solana, you know, came into sort of my radar a few years back. So I started speaking at those conferences. And I wanted to make sure that if we were to move to it, it was something that we really thought through. So we took a vote on it and the community pretty much overwhelmingly voted to move to Solana at the same time change the model, which is probably too deep for th- this conversation, this is they call burn mint equilibrium. So that the more volumes on the network, the more everybody makes, it's a more complex um, chaos system, but it works better. And I think that it's going to end up being a much better system. So the Solana move, we've, we've transitioned to that. We're working on on, on the on the new um, payout model, you know, BME. And it's it's been a success. I mean, I think that we've, uh, you know, I just spoke to some Coinbase um, conference and the Coinbase is now listening to, you know, Solana version of Render, uh, which is great. Uh, and and I think this transaction times on Solana are, are so much faster. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Toli and Rajvine, who created Solana, and I know them really well, are so such solid people. And, you know, they've, they went through their ups and downs, too. I mean, Solana was in a bad place a year ago, not through their own fault, but because of a lot of the FTX stuff. I mean, FTX and Solana right, yeah. were connected in various ways that were right. nothing to do with, with Toli and, and Raj. And they've gone through that. And I think that now that we're on it and the transaction times are so high, even digital goods, and I hate to call them NFTs, because if you want to sell something, you want to sell your art, uh, even, honestly, the Solana guys are great about taking ideas for the open source stuff that we're doing, 3D stuff, tickets that you can sell. I mean, all these ideas that we have, they're willing to implement them, and the transaction speed is super high. And Solana, I think, has been up, I mean, it's had a one-year uptime now without any issues, and it's not even fully, like, out of the beta phase yet, um, and it's doing fine. So I think it's been a, it's been a solid move for us. Um, and it definitely, from my perspective, was the healthiest way of supporting render in the long term. But ultimately, I'm also proud of the fact that it was voted on by the community and that we have that process in place. Um, and mm-hmm. to that end, to that end, there have been a lot of votes, right? You know, AI on, on the render network has always been a thing that I've been interested in. We've, I mean, I think the second stable diffusion is ready. I threw it on the render network um, and, and you could run it from within, you know, the, uh, the same website you can do render jobs on. But the more interesting thing is being able to allow any type of AI job. And we've had about, I think, six to eight proposals of, of which we've approved, I think, well, probably five or six of them to date um, of different types of models that can run, be run on the render network. There's mm-hmm. a lot of GPUs. And I think that 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 continuum of being able to add as many different types of AI workloads that we can come up with, um, this fit. I mean, this should also be something that sort of fits within the model we have. But so far, we've, it's been pretty wild. We have six different types of AI providers. 
um, that's great. It's great for the network itself and for artists. Um, obviously, from the Otoy side of things and from my perspective with my opinion render, I want to make sure we have you know, best of class AI tools that are running on the system for, I mean, everything from denoising to, to, uh, to texture generation and, and the like. Um, but that's a lot. So I will pause there. But that is my update on Solana and Render, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a nutshell. Cool. 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 If, if anybody has any more specific questions, put it in the chat. Maybe we can, we'll, we'll try and swing back around to it. Uh, do you have your Vision Pro? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never leave home without. <laughs> I've been no, I mean, seeing it's an, it's an amazing device. Did you see the yeah. Did you see the clip? And there's a guy on, the guy on driving. TikTok driving the his, <laughs> his Tesla on autopilot. Oh my goodness! I, I here's the thing. I mean, I, I that's obviously not a good idea. But the password <laughs> is really good. It is really good, mm-hmm. and um, you know, other than the thing running out of batteries, which, in which case it goes black. <laughs> which you oh. can't see at all, mm-hmm. which would be bad. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, listen, I've been, obviously, you know, we, we released an app, we can talk about that um, day and date with this thing launching. So before that app was released, obviously I spent a significant time developing that and, and spent time on the glasses and various things, ways, right, pre-release. And I just, I remember thinking, yeah, I mean, this thing is something you can use in everyday life. Now that I have one, you know, my personal, you know, uh, Vision Pro, I mean, I've used it plenty. I can do things around the house. I can do things around the office. It's, it does give you incredible pass-through. It doesn't necessarily work great in low light, um, but you're going to find people doing crazy things with them. Um, <laughs> but I'm not shocked that somebody tried driving with it. I'm like, it's, I remember thinking when I put it on, I wonder if I could drive with this safely. <laughs> and I thought, I, I realized that probably not. I mean, probably just in case, God help, help you if the thing runs out of power or something happens yeah. and it goes black while you're, because that's, that's really the problem. That's why it's unsafe. But I mean, if it were, I mean, if you can continuously see things with it and you were in daytime, right? Um, it does work well, but that's a problem. Low light doesn't work well. The power can go out to it. I mean, it's not yeah. meant yet for everyday use. And, uh, you know, that's just, uh, but, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing people do crazy things. I'm not shocked about the driving thing. We'll see what else people yeah. will do with it um, in probably the coming days and weeks as, as people get crazy ideas. You mm-hmm. know? And you said you've been watching movies on the ceiling? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I, I, mean I, I think that one of the things that I, I like about it, I mean, it's a great movie experience. It's a great TV experience. It's obviously, if you've ever gone to see a 3D movie, if you can care about that, like, you know, Avatar is, a, is an example of, of you know, probably a 3D movie done right. Uh, 3D in the glasses looks amazing. I and mean, you don't have to worry about the light being sort of blocked by the polarizers or after shutter lenses. Yeah. You get a beautiful 3D experience. More importantly, I mean, I have a pretty big, I have a, you know, one of those laser projectors, short for laser projectors, gives me 130 inches or whatever. And I put the Vision Pro thing in front of that and it's even bigger and it's even brighter. And hmm. and I'm like, well, this, and it's, and the, you know, and the darks are perfect, right? So it's like, if, you're, if you love movies, that's great. But then I was like, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of my, my baby and I'm watching Tim with, with the glasses and I can look up at this, at this ceiling <laughs> and I've seen other, you know, I have a friend who writes with Forrest Ansel who, who also has his child on him while he's watching movies in the distro. I'm not the first to try that. But you look <laughs> at the ceiling and it's this very comfortable experience of watching in a giant IMAX ice cream in the sky. And you think that it's weird because you haven't really been able to try that until you get this device, but that is one modality that I was impressed with. I was like, this, this is a comfortable way of watching, watching TV and films. And I watched like, I don't know, half a season of Reacher on it, and it was mm-hmm. great. You know? And then I went, went downstairs, A-B tested it on my giant you know, projector, 
um, it was nowhere near the quality. Um, and I had to go to where the, where the, you know, the TV or the projector is where this thing could be anywhere. Um, the, the one thing I will say is that it's not the lightest device in the world. At some point you're on this thing for two hours. It, you feel it on your, on your right. eyes, you know, but yeah, sure. it's, it's, it will get lighter. And it's also something that, you know, it, you just have to figure out how to use it. I mean, when the iPhone and the iPad first came out, they weren't perfect. They didn't have everything, all these things ironed out. Um, or the watch even for that matter, you know, and I think this is this is the first very, 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 very first generation device of an entirely new platform. Uh, I, I'm so bullish on the future of this thing. I think that it's it's the future for a lot of different types of use cases. And I don't think a company like Apple would have bet on it if they didn't believe that. The problem is, I think people look at it right now, and the, and the thing is heavy and it's bulky and all these things. Right. I mean, relative to a pair of sunglasses, but it will change. And when, the one thing they did right is they, they threw everything into this thing. So from the operating system perspective, whatever, imagine you have in contact lenses, it'll still be Vision OS, right? And the apps will right. probably still work the same way. It's just you you don't have to imagine not the operating system or the device or the you have to worry about the size. And that's where I think the um, you know the interesting part from here onwards out is the size can be can be shrunk. That's a hardware issue, uh, you know. And and my my other thing is this is a great way for us to test holographic content because if you put that device on, our light field stuff things we've been showing for ten years, right? That was yeah you know, never quite worked on the Oculus because you, know, you know it wasn't it wasn't designed for that. You know when we put out our our, our vision prep, which was all about the Star Trek. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, archive work they've been doing for years. There is, you know, you can download new assets. And one of the first downloadable assets was uh, you go to this uh, Enterprise Bridge for this, you know, Discovery Season 2, and there's a cubic photo, you know, cubic light field that's rendered in Octane. All of the reflections, all of the things are in there in that cube. You know, if you go inside of it or you look around it, and that's the kind of stuff that I was like excited for Octaneers because there's so many Octaneers that came to us. They said, oh, I've got a Dell version of the Vision Pro. Um, I had, what's the form to render to it? Or David Aria with all the beautiful things he's doing in 360. There is a format that, that we now can support. Of course, you have the spatial videos from Apple, but you can also generate 24K stereo tube maps. You can generate um, you know, these, these giant 16K by 16K you know, video uh, orbits. And then the last piece is you can have a, a, a volume of light that is baked uh, into a cube and spit out into a file that the Vision Pro can load. And we'll have an SDK for that, so you can drop it in other apps. And that is the same type of data we'd feed into a light field display panel and have in, in the past. And in that case, you won't need any glasses for that, right? That's something that mm-hmm. can run especially in the same way. So it's a great step towards the holodeck. That's my, you know, right. that's my sort of summary of the um, yeah. Yeah, Vision Pro's promise. and you know, in the midst of the uh, continuum of where we want to go. Needs to give you baby stats and stuff, like bottle 20%, diaper 100%, <laughs> you know. I haven't tried it. Yeah, I mean, it can do a lot of that. I mean, you know, obviously the thing with AR is that it can give you instructions overlaid on, on things in the real world. Um, but, you know, I'd say that we're still in the early days of, of, of apps, right? I mean, I think we'll see, you know, there's 600 apps, I guess, one of which is ours, but, um, you know, and there's a million iPad apps, which are, I mean, I think that's worked fine, but you want to natively develop that for a device like this. That's yeah. the way to take advantage of it. Yeah, once yeah. they get smaller, more compact. I mean, you, you see people, there's another clip of a guy. He was uh, courtside at like a Lakers game or some, game, yeah. some basketball game, and he's doing that. And and it's funny because right now everybody's making fun, right? But just think about the same thing that happened with the iPhone, like, whenever that was. When was that now? 15? 2007. 2007. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, it's really so like maybe, yeah, what, 15 years ago or so? Is that right? What year is it? I'm like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
when when people were like on their phones, that was like a deal. Like people, oh, you're at dinner with your phone out. That's unheard of. But now everybody does it, right? Everybody's just on their phones all yeah. the time. It becomes like a normal thing. So these are going to get lighter. They're going to be more mainstream. It's going to be, uh, it's 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 not going to be as weird. I think in twenty years to see people walking around putting their hands up in the air and pinching and zooming things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it used to be that if you're talking to yourself on the street, and we always have these right. now that you were yeah. they send you into the, the asylum, right? So it's yeah. like there's, but I think the glasses. I mean, these devices not meant to be really worn outside of the office or home at this point, right? Um, but that'll change. And I was saying even before the show started to you guys that the fact that we have an iPhone that has um, an M3 in it. Um, you know, the equivalent of that, or it's just, it seems to be M1. I mean, if you already have a phone, I could totally imagine a version. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not the pro version of the Apple Vision uh, device, right? But a version that maybe could be powered by a phone that could still have the, right. the, the minimum amount mm-hmm. of, of glasses on your on your face. It, it, there's stuff like that that I think could really make, you know, a, a big difference. But it is exciting to be able to play in that world and have a device of this caliber and this quality um, that we can use to really flesh out and test some ideas for I will call this spatial computing. For me, it's just, you know, one step closer to the holodeck is how I, I right. really interpret the, you know, right. the step function. And, yeah, let's talk about the, the spatial experience a little bit. I saw, I think Casey in the, yeah, Casey in the chat said, uh, I showed my 10-year-old the Enterprise this, this weekend on Vision Pro. So it's <laughs> a spatial experience. Uh, it's, it's, a, um, it's between Paramount and Roddenberry and Otoy, right? That's the... yeah. We've it, previously everything that we've been do- doing with with these archives, and there's not just the Roddenberry archive we've been working on, a people archive, Alex Ross right. archive, there's other mm-hmm. things. Um, the Star Trek one, the, the Roddenberry one, has been it just has years of work. There's an incredible team that's working on it, and it's been non-commercial and still is. But in this case, when we were putting out something that was designed for the Vision Pro, um, we brought in Paramount. And they added more stuff. Like we can now access pretty much everything in the continuum of both what's in the Roddenberry Vault and even in what Paramount has. Um, and there will be tickets. Like you'll be able. You know, right now, everything's free. You can try it all out. And then at some point, because by the way, the, some of that stuff is streamed from the render network. We have, you know, we have basically the GPUs in the cloud that will render this live and bring it to you in a viewport. Same thing on the web. Um, but the other parts of it are just downloadable spatial experiences. Some of those things are 3D models that are um, running in reality. That's the only way that you can render on the Vision Pro is not with your own render, not with Unity. Really, it's like Reality Kit is Apple's render. You have to use that to render in, in, in um, sort of in space. Mm-hmm. But there is a workaround. I mean, you can go full screen where you control everything. You've tried that. And then you can also render into a layer and do your own thing. And that's what we're doing with some of these interiors where you download a light field. And that is effectively something that can, that is, again, it's like if, if I can render an image or a stereo image, that's understandable even 360. This is a full volume or cube that is, it's not even a 3D texture. It's, it's actually, it has pieces of the geometry in there. But when you look through it, all the lighting's in place. You can even do post effects with it. And by the way, one of the features not in 2024 is that you're going to be able to generate these and load them back in. Um, and they're basically, pre, you know, they're emissive textures, but they're pre-computing all the light. So it's super fast. Mm-hmm. My goal is that you could probably run Octane Live in the Vision Pro, not just in a window, but probably in, in full screen mode and move around the scene um, with very little noise once the pre-computation phase is done. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff there. The spatial experiences that we have, I mean, the, the app that we put out is, Basically, all of the pieces that play stuff back on the Vision Pro will also be in Octane X. And believe it or not, the 
you know, the app, which is called the archive, it's not just the library archive, it can load other things. We've got some, you know, Batman stuff we did 10 years ago. There's a, you know, there's a button that says load your own assets, which come right out of Octane, but ultimately you'll be able to load an Orbex in this thing and it'll be able to pull that down and you'll be able to work with that. Um, And so there'll be a pretty tight loop between Octane, the creation tool, sending things to the render network and everything in that app, by the way, was done in the render network. There's like any baking, all this crazy spatial videos. Um, I mean, heck, even the three Star Trek videos, this concept videos we did, all rendered on render. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, and there'd be no way. Like, I mean, I think people looking at the stats of render, it was going up, Um, you know, not to scare people, but if you're gonna render at 16K, for a minute, you know, which is what some of those orbits are. It's, it's like, you know, it's like 10K render um, mm-hmm. on the render network, you know. So it's it's something that, that really is, I think if it weren't for the render network, some of these spatial experiences would be harder to, to build or tap tap onto. But, um, you know, it's for us, it's just about building that pipeline. And I think the Star Trek app, the archive app, is a great way of showing how those things work. And it is fun to see the enterprise um, and you know, make it life size or make it the size it is in the Smithsonian. Yeah, uh, it's there's so much more to be done. I mean, we're just starting. We have a lot more content that we could be adding. But currently, the app there's like a hundred different, you know, interiors and items. I mean, like I think like Disney ships with Ford. You know, the Max app has one Game of Thrones thing. So if you're once you go through those five, there's ninety something else in the, in the Star Trek app that are just beautiful spatial experiences, um, all organized, all with an info box. It's like going through a museum, really. Mm-hmm. Is it I'm only really is, that work, is it only staying on the Apple Vision Pro, or is there any thoughts of bringing it over it's, to other VR headsets? I think that no, they're absolutely they're, they're always happen. I just I think when we said it was exclusive and we did put that in there, it's because you know a 16K video just isn't going to play on the Quest Three, right? And sure. the spatial light field mm-hmm. render isn't going to render on something less than probably an M2. So mm-hmm. those are the things that are unique to the Vision Pro. I mean, everything else you can go on the web and you can open up in the Quest. There's you know there's you know, internet browser and everything's online, right? So you go mm-hmm. to ronberry.x.io, everything's there. You can even have a panorama. We even added a button so 3G boots up and WebXR and you can see the panel. But it really, it looks like, can't even compare that to, um, to what you can get on the uh, on the Vision Pro. And the assets and the rendering pipeline in Vision Pro are unique to the device. So we either were like, well, we do sort of middling content that kind of works well on the Quest uh, beyond what you can kind of already do in the, in the WebXR experience, the website piece, which is always there. Or do we go full in and develop stuff that, you know, frankly, at a quality of fidelity that has not been seen before? For the Vision Pro, and the, and the latter was what made sense to to do in this case. But there's, it's not an exclusive thing in the sense that you know if we wanted to adjust on that platform, we probably wouldn't have done something that run you know, runs on the web and runs everywhere. And that's the thing: if you want to see the content, um, all of it's available on the on the web online. Um, Looking at it right now, that's and, cool. And, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can literally go into Quark's Park Deep Space Nine, go into yeah. Quark's Forty, pull everything <laughs> off the shelf. It's it's hours of of Star Trek content that. It's there, so it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. So I haven't. I, I guess I haven't seen any video of this. Uh, I is, is I know that there's objects oh, and you can oh, like blow them right. up and do all. Where where can I find the video? Yeah. Is it on the website? It's and, on the website. If you even go to the um, to ronaberry.xi.io, right? And there's you can look at blogs, look at videos. I would I would do that. I would also just look at. Um, I think it pinned on on the Otoy Twitter right now are a bunch of images, videos, and links. So if you just do at Otoy on uh, sorry on X on X, I, I keep <laughs> right. keep forgetting it's not called Twitter anymore. Um, you, you can see stuff there. Um, but even just going to the web portal, I mean, if you're a Star Trek fan and you're interested in this, see the 2D version. But then you know under the top right, there's a menu called Blogs. First blog entry is a uh, whole deep dive on what's possible on the Vision Pro. There's videos. It shows it. Shows everything. 
So I absolutely recommend people check it out. Um, and that's on great. the. And that's on the. Oh, cool. Okay, I see. Okay. Oh, this is great. Yeah, I'm going to try and bring this up here yeah. so people yeah. can see. Because I'm, oh, I'm yeah. trying to look at it in my head. I saw I saw an article yesterday, but it had only an audio thing on it. Um, let me go to this here. Mm. Um, so this, okay, this is great. So you you put it in <laughs> your you put it in your. There you uh, go. Yeah. Oh, this is your office. I recognize this. That is my <laughs> office. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So that's that's and you can scale it, right? I mean, I, and you can see it's casting a shadow on the ground, which is crazy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, you know, if you go into a dark room, the lights on the Enterprise glow and turn on, so it's like you know, it's, <laughs> it picks up the lighting around you. And uh, you know, it's you have about a million polygon budget um, if you're doing it this way on the in reality kit. And mm-hmm. if you need to go beyond that, that's when we have to go into light fields or something, something more exotic to get you to five million, whatever, unlimited, right? I mean, but what's interesting is I can imagine a future version of this device with an M3, right? This ships with an M2. Um, I think they just didn't have time to squeeze an M3 in it with ray tracing hardware. That could be that could be really huge. Yeah, those are just uh-huh. a sampling of. I mean, you can see the inside of all the different ships, Voyager, Deep Space Nine. You can, I mean, okay, it's interactive. Yeah. Like you can launch a shuttlecraft that goes outside yeah. of the thing. And this is showing, so this is, that one meter cube is in the middle, but it doesn't mean you can't figure out what's around that. And that's and with a button that just adds those extra pieces. And that's me with my hand, just like moving the cube around. I can make it mm-hmm. big. I can go inside of it. So those are, you know, I think, I think, and those range from a few hundred megabytes to gigabytes, depending on how big you want that scene to be. But if you're running at a 4K90, which is what this demands, and you want to have perfect reflections, you want to have you know millions or, or even you know, tens or hundreds of millions of, of triangles in a scene, I feel baking. You know, it's it's uh, it's a solution, and that can load, be loaded back into Octane as well, mm-hmm. where there's no noise. It's just one emissive texture, and you know, and you can add other stuff. You can still do path tracing, but it's a neat it's a neat hack, and uh, and so the idea is that the uh, generation of those. Is something of course you can do locally, but you can also send it to render, get back the data, put it right back in your scene, use it for Vision Pro, uh, all of that. And, and by the way, USDZ export is also something we've been working on, which would be useful not just on Vision Pro but for AR Kit uh, on iPhone and iPad. That was going to be That's my cool. question, like because I didn't know like how how immersive you could get with it. Like, can you also like if you if you're inside the bridge, can you like grab it and like scale it down, and all of a sudden you're on the outside, or is that a separate model? Are these separate models? Like, how how does that work? So, so I think the one that's that's the one where you're walking through the bridge, and it's it's like you can pick up those assets, and it's interact fully interactive. That one is actually running on a server, and all those layers are there. But that's that's not the that's just one modality. That's like you want to go walk on the bridge. If you want to download a 3D model of the bridge and render it in the glasses locally. That's where we have this light field, and that thing that can be that light field doesn't have to be one meter cube. That's just the equivalent of one k by one k, right? You can render an eight k by four. You know, you can render multiple cubes. You can pull those down, and then you can collectively shrink or scale them. You know, put them over your head, walk through them. All of that's possible. And there are some things you could be doing on top of that. They can have you know, some interactivity, but they're generally kind of pre-baked to some degree. Um, the 3D models of the ships are just. I mean, those are basically. Um, million polygon models that we basically just tuned and exported out of Octane uh, to run in Reality Kit, and uh, and there is some baking that's going on there, but it's nothing like the the light field baking where it's like reflections or you know, are baked in and things like that. Those are the two types of things you can pull in locally, and then of course light stage scans. If we scan in 
after Spock and other characters, mm-hmm. and those can be pulled down and even animated. Um, those are coming. That's that's something like you know we, nice. February second came up really fast, and we didn't have a huge amount of lead time on on it. But at this point, every single you know interior that we that the Octane can render, everyone everything that can be light filled, you do get a preview of it as a you know beautiful stereo panorama. That's the stuff we were doing for the Quest or, or the Gear VR back in 2014 with John Carmack. Still have the function in ripe stereo rendering, and you can even do animations and orbits of those, which we do support in the app. And those look beautiful. I mean, those are like 360 spatial videos, but they're not the same as like walking through this thing and having it be, um, you know, expandable. I mean, naturally, as a holographic format, it's it's um, it's pretty great. So ex- exporting and generating those things are just going to be tools and extensions that we have on top of you know what we currently support, like with this stereo panoramic camera and, and the like. Um, but the good news is the authoring of those things can be done on the Vision Pro um, live. You know, that's the idea with, with having the Octane iPad app and even now this new Vision Pro archive app, viewer app, basically, um, you know, be able to view and generate and you know, run those things. And even Octane itself, the viewport itself will be floating. It'll have alpha and it'll be stereo. Um, even if you're not doing anything Ooh. fancy, you're just seeing that live as you're doing yeah. changes. Very yeah. cool. That'd yeah. be sweet. I, and, and I've watched stuff yeah. on the archive itself. Like it's incredible how much detail there is, and how how it's much incredible. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, like even when it comes down to like different versions of the same specific bridge, but over different years from different movies and all of that. How in the world do you? Uh, how do you sort through all of this information? I'm sure you've got crazy amounts of data and documents and it, all. There, of that, there you know? is. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, I will say there's a team that, that, that was put together initially with an endowment from Roddenberry. Rod Roddenberry, my best friend, Gene Roddenberry's his dad, that's why it's the Roddenberry Archive. So he invested in Otoy years ago, um, and it was not an insignificant investment. So that's what got this started. And with that, you know, we started with the people that knew Star Trek best, Mike and Denise Akuda. They literally were the ones that, like, were part of overseeing the Smithsonian restoration of the 11-foot Enterprise that's now in the museum, they wrote the Star Trek Encyclopedia. They knew everybody. They've been working on the shows they, you know, for, for decades. So they, they're the ones that really do lead this project. I, I help. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I consider myself like an editor of sorts or help, you know, I help sort of guide the thing. But we have a lot of artists. We hire a lot of artists also from the community that have either worked in the show or that are good enough to be part of this larger group. And the depth of, and the weekly meetings, you know, that, that go through everything. Like they're recorded. We basically have transcripts of everything, so we can, everybody can see in the future how all this thing was put together, where the sources come from. I mean, I guess you know we started them long before there were LLMs, but now an LLM can sort of probably read through it and tell you what date yeah. things were done on. But it's all there, and it's it's we, I, you know we did every done every Enterprise bridge. We've now done almost every TV show. Deep Space Nine, you know that space station is pretty pretty huge and complicated. That's in the archive now. And we can keep going. And there's even, I mean, you know, there's there's even this concept of like a Roddenberry adjacent properties, right? And if you look at the archive app, there's interviews with George Lucas, my, my friend Rod, talking about how Star Wars and Star Trek overlap, or Stan Lee. I mean, where these things go? I mean, I want to cover everything that this sort of is in that in that sort of pop culture universe. And Star Trek was a great place to begin, mm-hmm. but there's so much more. Um, but that level of detail is something that people appreciate. I have to say, I mean, I'm I, it's not me. I, I'm just you know organizing that piece, but. It's incredible. The team's incredible, um, and I've never seen work like this ever. And I think even Star Trek fans who are very, you know, rightly so, they're very picky about things. I mean, they're you know, the, in the four days since we yeah. relaunched the experience, and they're looking underneath, like you know, it's Spock's bed, and looking through his medicine cabinet or whatever it is, and like, oh, it's this is purple or like, I'm like, 
yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's all there. It's exactly what you would want it to be in. It's every version of Star Trek. The newest stuff from Strange New World Season 2 is in there. They're filming wow. Season 3 now. Uh, Prodigy, we got the Prodigy ship in there, which is the, in that family to Netflix. So there's all 10 Star Trek TV shows, all 13 Star Trek movies, and pretty much a ton of Star Trek novels and books, you know, which are 40% of the Star Trek story are in that literary universe. Like, that's part of the project as well. I had the uh, um, you know, I had doing the, these little shorts. Yeah, I had the Star Trek uh, technical manuals as a kid. I loved those. Yeah. Did you ever? Yeah, me too. I loved the technical manuals. <laughs> it was just a book. The people that everything. wrote them worked on this project. Yeah, uh, Laura Johnson well, wrote Mr. Shatsky's Guide to the Enterprise. Um, was helping us figure out every single room on the actual motion picture Enterprise. She'd be the one that would know it, and it's it's great. I mean, those and and of course all the Star Trek encyclopedias, all that, all those books and and and. Greatly detailed. The chronology is structured, all written by the Akutas that are, you know, the heart and soul of this project. So it's 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 all there. If you if you ever love those books, this this is for you. Yeah. You know? I love that there's the sounds too, like of each bridge. Oh, yeah. And so like yeah. I mean, I, I could see just putting this on and let it like play in the background while you're working. <laughs> Feeling like now, there is one of the things that I think could be fun is if you, you know, people have different backgrounds. I mean, I remember when the Akudas and I first started doing stuff, they had the Zoom background with the Enterprise. And I'm like, mm-hmm. in a couple, give it a couple of years. And you're and granted, mm-hmm. the personas on, on Apple Vision Pro, they're, they're not like totally real looking. But if you do take a FaceTime call, you do something in there, you can load in, you know, you can share environments, you can do different things. And the idea would be that you could take a Zoom call from the bridge of the Enterprise. And, you know, that could be kind of cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And- have you have you seen there's a I don't know how much you get on TikTok or Instagram or whatever there's a there's a guy that cuts that, he takes the he has like all the outtakes from Next Generation right and he cuts mm. them into the <laughs> existing show where they would have been so it's like a real serious scene and all of a sudden you see him start you know doing something funny or running into a door high five you <laughs> I know. love that it's so great I'll have yeah. to send you one. Uh, and we've got like multiple. I've seen multiple people in the chat here. Uh, conspiracy theories that you actually created Bitcoin. <laughs> no, <laughs> multiple no. times. It's really funny. <laughs> no, although although I'm very proud of the fact that the whole idea for render predates Bitcoin. I mean that that feels like you know, and, and yeah. even though there's a patent from whatever 2009. That idea I remember talking to the patent from 2004, 20 years ago. Thinking about, and I was thinking about SETI at home and all the TPUs that were out there even in those years. Um, so, no, it's been a 20 year journey to get rendered to the point where it's at. But my big point was, was <laughs> nothing to do with that. Sorry. <laughs> so he says. So he says, everybody. No, I say. <laughs> you would say that. <laughs> um, any, any updates? Because we always do this. Any updates on the real world holodeck? Yeah. Yes. Um, so, my, my good friend and colleague, uh, John Carafin. Um, I think, I don't know if this happened since we last spoke, but we, Otoy invested in Lifestyle Lab. We um, didn't know that. I think so. We yeah. didn't do that. So, to, you know, I, I literally put skin in the game. Um, I think that towards the end of this year, early 2025, you'll start to see those panels ship. Also, Bill Gates is a fan. Bill Gates goes there and takes, you know, like, selfies there and puts on Instagram. So, <laughs> he's, I think he's seen some of the stuff that we built for that thing in, when he's visited. So, it's coming. I mean, it's 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 a hard project. It's also something that I think you know, like anything at this scale, is going to start with a very high end and theme parks and things like that. I think the MSG yeah. sphere, right? Which is, but you know, it's it is it is coming, and I think that the end of this year, early next year, will probably be 
there'll be tangible results that consumers will be able to see for the first time. Yeah. And I have promised, you know, my people that that uh, I'll try to get him some panels for his for his work because obviously I mean, the stuff he's doing, in, you know, with these physical um, LED oh, panels, yeah. I mean, they would be transformed by having, you know, having that. And I've talked to John about it, and I've connected them <laughs> for sure. I'd love to see something like that happen. Um, my goal, of course, is to be able to afford the holodeck and build it into, I guess, you know, my garage here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, the cost is, is, is exorbitant, and there's not enough panels. But you know, uh-huh. that's uh, it's yeah, funny. yeah. I can imagine so, uh, Beeple's artwork. You know, like those big box displays he's doing. If they had mm-hmm. those panels, yeah. that would be amazing. It'd be so cool. Yeah. As- has the power consumption that it needed previously, like, I feel like yeah, it's years down. ago when we it's talked, yeah, I, like, 16, it's going down to like four. Oh, that's so right nice. It's getting there. It's, it's, and you know, it's getting there. So the idea yeah. is that it's, it's going to be ultimately my, my understanding and expectation would be that it, not too different than installing the Samsung video wall, which is also a very mm-hmm. expensive piece of kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can rent it and you can build it and it's, it exists and it can be expanded to any size. So the more panels you have, the bigger the hologram, the further in and out it can go of the volume, uh, and that's that's how they're doing it. And I think they're you know they're focusing on these like you know eighteen inch panels. They've been smaller ones. There've been a couple of, of other form factors, but that one is the one that's going to be the go to market one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's definitely going to be ready this year. And, and I assume that there'll be some um, some things that you'll be able to touch. And certainly, I'd imagine it'll also be precedents. I and mean, remember the, when they first launched the. Um, you know, it showed people the panels at all. They might have seen it. They invited people over to show them the smaller panel. When the bigger one's ready, there'll be something similar. And uh, I've come up and seen it a bunch of times. It's been it's been awesome. And I've seen the Rodeo Archive stuff on the holographic panel. It's crazy. Oh, that's cool. Crazy to see that. That's yeah. pretty meta. Enterprise characters <laughs> from the from the two teasers we did. So it's it's not it's no joke that like the stuff that we're doing for the archive is ultimately you know you'll experience it on the holodeck, and that's. That's a theme mm-hmm. that's in Star Trek itself. I mean, the whole, you know, some of the, the thing that I do in my talks now is like, well, you know, are we living the simulated reality, the holodeck as a story construct, right? You know, is, is not, not the craziest idea that you're seeing all of Star Trek, the captain's log are really just, you're, you know, it's simulating or playing back the stories that, you know, happen in our this future history. So. Yeah. What would be your, what would be the first thing if you had it right, if you had the holodeck right now, what would be the first thing, what kind of a scene would you first load into <laughs> it? Oh, I would, I would, I would post. I, mean, I know exactly what I would do. Um, I used to live in the uh, suburbs of uh, Paris in the countryside, and it's beautiful. It doesn't exist anymore. They built a million buildings over it. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would go. That's my happy place. I would definitely, you know, boot that up and, and just walk around. You know, m- you know, my gar- You know, that neighborhood that as it used to be. It's just gorgeous. I still go back there. It just doesn't look the same. Yeah. And things like that. I mean, things that have a, you know, things things on Earth that have a beautiful you know connection to your life. Or they're just beautiful. Period. I mean, I think that that spaces like that are that would be my first thing from an emotional connection perspective. Th- th- there would be that. But then, of course, you know, just like we're doing with with the Vision Pro. I mean, you know, you look at the four things Disney built, and you look at the th- things we're building with it. You know, go on the Enterprise, go on the Tatum, go into the you know mm-hmm. Tony Stark's you know headquarters or the Monsters Inc. thing. I mean, you know, it's not hard to imagine the things that you might want to visit. And frankly, they build these things in in you know Disneyland and the theme parks. I mean, on a sort of a media landscape perspective, but the personal things that, especially if you're able to capture things with such high fidelity now, with nurse, um, with with Gaussian spots. I mean, being mm-hmm. able to clean that up and have memories recreated spatially that you can experience without glasses. Yeah, I think that would be pretty great. Mm-hmm. You could go have a glass of wine at Picard's Vineyard. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that is in California. It's not in France. But, uh. <laughs> at one point, we're going to go up, we, and we will go up there and, and like rebuild that and scan that in. We're going to be doing landscapes and uh-huh. other things. I mean, we're it's it's uh, unending the Rhino Bear Archive. So yeah, you know, Cards Vineyard, um, the very first thing you see in the holodeck and encounter far point. Those are all on the list of environments we want to want to bring in for people to experience. Sweet. Sweet. Ooh, we have we covered everything. Is there anything we haven't covered today? think so i mean i think we covered a lot we yeah. did we covered we a did. lot <laughs> Ooh, is jules yeah. thinking to bring otoy to the market as a public company that's an interesting question mm. maybe you know i mean right now um they're very happy running as a private company we're doing really well it's it's something that is always an option um but it's not a near-term thing so that's yeah. my it's my honest answer and a wild very paul cool. bab appears he said did someone say wine that's funny yeah paul's gonna have to come hang out on the on in the vineyard that's awesome (laughs) absolutely oh my goodness all right we're gonna take a quick break here uh for a little advertisement we'll be right back Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes, and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. Oh Jules, thank goodness. you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a always a pleasure to have you on. We appreciate your time so much. And it is, yes. it, it's, it's just, it's so, in, it's so, there's so much information that we get and it, it, so much value we get out of having you on the show. So we, we appreciate it so much. I love being here. Anytime, guys. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the show again on like half speed to like reabsorb yeah. the information. There's always so much. There's always so much. Are you planning on going to any events that are coming up soon that we might that we mm-hmm. might see you at? If any, are you, like NAB or any of those things. I know you're still in like might. baby I mean, mode, but yeah, I think I think the next event for sure that I'm committed to is the uh, GTC, which is end of March, cool. um, in person after five years. So I'll be there. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll if I'm going anywhere else, I'll be sure to share it with you guys. Post it on social media as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Very cool. Thanks again. Uh, make sure you check us out at MoGraph.com, MoGraph.com slash TV. Make sure you just, uh, you know, put that on after the show and watch a little something. Uh, it's on all the time. Matt's got it on right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. We're broadcasting now live on, Inst- I'm sorry, on on, uh, on TikTok. And uh, we hope to be doing some short form videos and things like that as well this year. So uh, that'll be fun. And that's about it, I guess, huh? Are we done? Mm -hmm. All right. Yep. All right. 
Until next time, I'm awesome. Dave. And I'm Matt. Have a good one. I'm Jules. Later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>